you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination in godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Aaron Addison. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B and J Mac are on tap to help us navigate the show. Today, we are going to be talking about unbelief in America, but not the unbelief that you might think. Well, some of that, um, but the kind of unbelief that is a little more startling to me. Um, I was reading this article over um, on the Christian Post's website that the number of Americans who believe in God dips to a new low. Um, I'm not I'm not not surprised by that. Um, I'm not surprised by the decline in America. But the things that always grab my attention with sort of, like, I guess, maybe a little bit of a greater intensity is that there are some things that when you when you start um separating the data and looking at the information and you see, okay, so among those who believe, what do they believe? Those are the things mm, that really grab yeah. my attention because I think that we are familiar with, um, you know, people just sort of having like a rejection of God. Not that we are comfortable with that. Right. You know, we try to implore men to be saved, but I think we recognize that we live in a secular culture, not a culture that is secularizing. Mm hmm but it's done like it's done. It's, it has secularized, <laughs> yes. right? We're here. And, uh, and so I think we recognize that, but the thing that grabs me where I think um, we underestimate the great need for ministry among those who are professing, mm. you know, like mm -hmm. I, I there, we still need to be doing evangelism. Yes. We still need to be going and sending. But I think one of the things that we sorely overlook and misunderstand is the great need for ministry among the professing, like those who say yeah. they believe in God, or let's go a step further, those who say they are Christians, or let's go a step further, those who say they go to church, um, what is it that they believe about God? And, and I think sometimes when you drill down and you start asking those questions, um, that's even more telling about why we are where we are in America than those who just reject God. Hmm. Right. Like because mm -hmm. think about who's tasked with um, um, the knowledge of God in the earth. Like who yeah. who has God entrusted his name to his yeah. people, his people, his people. Right. all throughout antiquity. That's God has entrusted his name to his people, those who he set apart, yeah. those who he um, who he called out for his glory. He entrusted his name to those people. So first in the Jews, he set these people apart unto mm -hmm. himself. He sanctified these people, made them holy unto himself and entrusted them with. His name, which is huge to think about and to try to conceptualize, right? right. But they were responsible with um, filling the earth as they went with the knowledge of Yahweh. Like that there is a God in heaven. We know who he is. He has revealed himself to us. We are going to tell you and every nation looking on who he is, mm. right? And so then you, you, you keep moving forward. And so now for us as believers... We bear the name of Christ. Mm -hmm. We are Christ 
followers. We are indeed Christ ambassadors. So we are, again, kind of continuing with making him known in the earth. Like, who is the Lord God? So I think when we think in those terms and we think about the great decline that exists among people who claim to be Christians or who say they have a belief in God, I think that may be the greatest um, indication um, of why we have so secularized. I think because the people who profess to believe don't really don't really believe. Yeah. And I think what factors into that as well is number one, what you said that, you know, they don't really believe. But those who would um, sincerely believe we have a, um, a low rate of discipleship. So, yes, what they are believing is not you know, a lot of times it's not biblical mm-hmm. or it's not, you know, in line uh, with how Christians, you know, should be should be living, you know. Mm-hmm. And so you have all of that at play. You have all of that at play. So, you know, when you have such a lack of discipleship, you know, those people who have not been discipled, they tend not to grow. Yeah. You yeah. Do you, you see a lot so of that how, as well. How do you think we've come to um make so little of discipleship among believers? Like how have we gotten to the place (laughs) where that's no Mm -hmm. longer a feature or no longer characterizes the church? Um, Yeah. It's almost as if we just believe that if a person claims Mm -hmm. Christ, if a person says Mm -hmm. that he or she is a Christian, Mm -hmm. we're sort of like, that's a win. and, 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 And we see that as like the ultimate success story not recognizing that the scriptures are filled with discipleship. Yeah. I like, think, yeah. Yeah. We, I think we are lazy in that area. That's hard mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. It's messy. Oh you know? man. It's hurtful. Sometimes. It, it's hurtful. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes you are lied to <laughs> and things like that, you know? Yeah. So when you're talking about uh, walking with someone, you know, and through different issues and things like that, it's, it can get messy. Mm-hmm. And so I think we have an aversion to that. We don't want it to be that hard. We just want to, uh, cause people to hear, hear the gospel and just believe and just, and you then know, everybody go, go to let's church, go, yeah. you know, but yeah. not really, man, taking the time to make disciples. That's a yeah. whole different thing. Making yeah. disciples is a whole different thing. And it takes time. You got to be in proximity to the person. You mm-hmm. know, you're going to have to ask uh, hard questions and you're praying with one another. Like it, it's an investment. And so yeah. I, I think our, our way of thinking and living is, is not that way. We want, Quick, you know, just mm. hear it and come to church and, and everything will be all right. You Get know? right church and let's go home. Exactly. That's it. Like, let's just every, you know, you used to always say to me that um, when, when I would be lamenting um, just throughout the years about like the difficulty that is discipleship, it is labor intensive. It is, it is a work of love yes. and walking with people and, and sharing their burdens. Um, there is great reward. I, and I, I want to be very clear about that, but it is a labor of love because when you are walking through the scriptures with someone mm-hmm. and actively showing them what it is to now live what they profess, mm-hmm. then you're also sharing their burdens. So you're sharing yes. the missteps, you're sharing where they get it wrong and you're praying with them. So these things fill up space in your mind, yes. like the people that you are in fellowship with, that you are discipling, that you have a active uh, discipleship relationship with their concerns become your concerns that's and right. you are taking those concerns to the Lord with them. That's right. And that's very labor intensive. That's right. And, and just, you know, when you, when you think about this, I can re- remember, like I often hear you saying in my mind all the time, often <laughs> um, that man, you know, it's one thing to catch fish, mm-hmm. but you got to clean them. 
Mm-hmm. Like it's it's one thing to to we are like, yeah, I want I want to be a fisher of men. Like I, I want to catch fish. But then there was the work. And, and I'm reminded of this story when I was in college mm-hmm. um, of of house setting or house sitting and um, having some friends, a bunch of girls come over from our ministry to mm-hmm. join me to house it. It was it was legal. Everybody was invited. It was OK. And um, <laughs> there was a there was a pond on the property that we were told we could fish in. And I remember um, we so, so bad. We were all like excited about fishing. But then when we caught fish, <laughs> all of us were kind of like, well, who's gonna, <laughs> who's going to clean it? You know, yeah. and, and that was yeah. sort of like and I'm embarrassed to say um, many of us. And this is funny, but I just tell the truth. You read the Bible. You love the history because it's accurate. <laughs> right. Um, we were like, let's get Lynette. Cause she's she's from Kenya. She's she's African. She's she doesn't care. She's gonna clean the fish, right? And and sure enough, she was like, step aside. Like I mean, she just chopped the head off and she got after it, you know. But you think about the work of what it is to win the lost, right? To to share the gospel and for people to to believe. Mm -hmm. So the Holy Spirit uh, convicts their heart and they believe they hear the gospel that they exist right now as the object of God's wrath Mm -hmm. and they deserve it. Right. And then the Holy Spirit softens their heart that they say, "Okay, what must I do to be saved? And you say you have to repent. You have to confess your sin. You have to turn to Christ. You have to confess that he is Lord. You have to believe in the sufficiency of his sacrifice. Believe that what he did paid the debt that you couldn't possibly pay. Believe that he is risen now making intercession, seated at the right hand of God. You believe this. This saves you. You confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so the people say, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Okay, great. And so what often happens is we kind of are like, all right, well, get plugged into a good church and yeah. see an eternity. And we would never do that with an infant or baby. No, you not know? at all. And that's what they are. They're babes in Christ. Now, God is so merciful. Like you, you'll have where that happens and, and the Lord will come in and, and, and help. And you know what I'm saying? Like, but the way that he has designed this thing is that mm-hmm. there will be discipleship. There'll be yeah. someone in the faith that's able to help uh, to steer this person along, you know, and show them from the word, from the scriptures, mm-hmm. what it is to be a Christian and how we are to live. You are in the family of God and here is our manual. This is where we go by. We, we stand on these truths, mm-hmm. you know, in everyday life and practical living. How yes. do I do that? Mm-hmm. You know, we used to have this thing where, you know, if you, if you are, uh, you know, talking to someone and you're discipling a person, like have them come with you to the grocery yeah. store. Let Living them see you together. live, you That's know, right. do things, you know, and let them see how a Christian uh, interacts, you know, things like that, you know, but we don't want to take the time to do that. We, it's easier just to say, just go to church, you mm-hmm. know, um, and then you have church leadership and stuff like that. Not everyone, you know, who may be more concerned about numbers. And so, and, they don't and have so time then that to, seems like a success to add exactly. another person. Right. Exactly. And so I think that's Hmm. kind of what we have run into. And you ask why, how did we get here? I think Mm -hmm. because we haven't focused in on the main thing. And Christ said to make disciples. I'm wondering if you think that when we are um, celebrating a conversion, I'm, I'm wondering if we still believe that we are talking about a new life. Like, do we still mm. look at this? Because you use the illustration of we would never do this with a newborn baby. And and just think about this. Like when you have a newborn, especially for the first time, 
right? You're kind of like, I can't believe that they're letting us leave the hospital <laughs> with this person. You yeah. know, you're just like, whoa. And yeah. you read all of the information. You read everything. <laughs> everything. You read everything right. because you're like, I don't want to miss something. This is so important. This is a mm-hmm. brand new life. And this life has been entrusted to me. Mm-hmm. So what am I going to do? And I'm just thinking if, if we follow through with that illustration and, mm-hmm. and we think about what it is for a believer, a new believer, a babe in Christ, mm-hmm. right? How is it that we get to the place where we could be casual with that new eternal life, right? Mm. But then you think of with the babies, we're like, I guess maybe because it's more in your face, you see that they're in desperate need. Yeah. But man, I would say that a new convert, that's in your face, right? Like you, it is. You see, un- unless you're not living life with that person, you can right. see right. that there's desperate need. So I'm wondering, de- yeah. what's the disconnect there? Yeah, there's definitely responsibility there. And I think we... Don't look at things through spiritual eyes. Like, I think Mm. we, you know, we wouldn't see a person that has just come to Christ. Hopefully we do. But I think sometimes we 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 we've gotten so far from that that when we see that we don't think of it as a baby, a newborn babe, Mm. you know, and having to learn things, having to you know, know what it means now to be in this family and what yeah. do we do. And, you know, and it's basically walking through the scripture and showing and teaching, you know, and then they're going to w- begin to walk on their own per mm-hmm. se, you know, with the guidance and leading of the Holy spirit. But, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's a process, but I think that takes time and yeah. we don't have time and yeah. it gets yeah. messy because there's still some baggage and some things you got to deal with. You know, we don't gossip in the family. Oh, I got to <laughs> confront that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, and so then it also takes a willingness to be able to set aside yourself. Right. Like, yeah. Because when when you talk about it, taking time to disciple and then even just the example that you just used. So so we don't gossip. So the scriptures teach us not to gossip. But you got to think about like if you're living life with someone who is given to like, say, cultural gossip. Cultural mm. gossip. Mm-hmm. What do I mean when I say cultural gossip? Well, that's just what we do around here. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. talk people's business. We frame <laughs> it in the form of a prayer request, but we talk people's business. And, and that's a thing, right? Yeah. So you got to think about it. You've got to be the person in the room who says, hey, hang on a second. We may have crossed the line. Mm. And so what is that? That could make you the object of someone's ire. Like you yeah. could you could get the squinty eye because like, <laughs> well, why are you doing why are you doing more than is required? Right. You know what I mean? So it not only takes the time willing to live with people and invest in their lives, but it also takes the willingness for us to kind of lay our life down mm. to be willing to be, you know, yeah. disliked for a second for that brief, uncomfortable second where the person is like, Ugh. but then the Holy <laughs> Spirit, right, yeah. says, hey, listen up. Mm. <laughs> All right. Let's grab the break. This is Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We'll be right back. Yeah. When you lead the way, there's not a thing that can come in between us. Giving me faith so that I won't give up showing your love. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We appreciate you allowing us to spend this Monday with you. Today's topic is help our unbelief. Help our unbelief. Mm. It's kind of a double meaning here. I'm going to get into a little bit of uh, Gallup polling, uh, some content that I was reading in an article over at the Christian Post. And um, the unbelief that exists among the believer is what I want to look at. The the unbelief among the believer. And I, man, I, I really just kind of want to talk this out, Willa Gray, because I, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I was trying to process it and understand, you know, 
what it might be that people believe about God while not believing God, you know, I just, and so, so maybe we can have a conversation around that, but anyway, we'll get into all of it. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that is Lead the Way, Five and Drew Weeks. And then, of course, we'll open the phone lines up in the last segment and get your take on some of what we're talking about today. Uh, Number of Americans who believe in God dips to a new low. That's according to some recent Gallup polling. While 81 percent of American adults say they believe in God, the percentage has dropped six points since 2017 and is the lowest since the Gallup polling firm started asking the question more than 70 years ago. Gallup says when it first asked the question in 1947 and twice in 1950 or the 1950s and 60s, a consistent 98 percent said they believed in God. Uh, In 2011, the percentage declined to 92 percent. In 2013, 2014 and 2017, it dipped to 87 percent of Americans saying that they believe in God. Belief in God has fallen the most in recent years among young adults Mm. and you know, and just processing that as well. I, I think mm-hmm. that there is probably an additional show that could be done on exploring where our young people are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's been a stair step decline and not just a, a plunge from a high cliff. Yeah. I, I really believe that it's been, you believe a little bit less than the one who believed a little bit less before you mm-hmm. and then before you. And because this is, this is what happens transgenerationally. Right. You are passing down something to the next generation that's the way cultures function right you're passing on a set of beliefs and so i think when you see those you will pass on what waters down in your generation mm. and you will pass that on to the next generation who will pass on what is even more watered down after that it's just my thought about the younger generation anyway gallup polling belief in god has fallen the most in recent years among young adults and people on the left of the political spectrum That might be a third show that could be done on this. (laughs) These groups show (laughs) drops of 10 or more percentage points comparing um, the 2022 figures uh, to the average of the figures in the 2013 to 2017 polls. 10 percentage points drop when you look at 2022 compared to 2013 to 2017. Mm. The poll notes that only 72 percent of Democrats and 62 percent of liberals and 68 percent of young people believe in God. 72% of Democrats believe in God, 62% liberals, 68% of young people believe in God. Belief in God is highest among political conservatives, coming in at 94%, and Republicans, 92%, uh, according to this article, says reflecting that religiosity is a major determinant of political divisions in the U.S. Hmm. That's interesting. That's interesting that that remains the takeaway from that because when I look at political movements I actually what I observe is that the political movements seem to and some in faster ways than others seem to all be running in some way away from the authority of God yeah and so I think what happens especially among Republicans what you see is sort of a hey stop hey stop like don't do that I mean Mm -hmm. this is kind of on topic of what we were talking about last week when you look at a conservative outlet like Fox News Mm -hmm. consistently here and I don't want to overstate it but um, they're celebrating LGBTQ pride all this month and so they're running pieces consistent with that I think that that is a reflection of where you see even sort of the um, mainstream politics going right and I think it is a collective um, I don't know if I want to say admission 
Um, I think it is a collective posture that says we can't win this one, guys. <laughs> so we may as well just give it up. That's not the luxury of the Christian. Right. Because the Christian didn't establish that as a political position. Right. And, and they would be fixated on being successful ratings. So they don't have any principles like, you know, we as Christians, we stand on the word of God. Yeah. And so when you look at things like that, they just they're looking at what's going to be expedient for what they're what they're doing. So, you they know, need to I, tweak it, they tweak it. <laughs> and I think that's why it really is um, important for organizations like ourselves. And, and I'm not saying this to toot our own horn, but I'm, I'm just trying to think seriously about this. Mm-hmm. You can't just look at uh, political pundits or those who are throwing their hats into rings all across this country and just look at a quote unquote conservative list. I think you've got to ask questions. Okay. On what points or at what points are you conservative? Right. Right? And so I think that's why things like the I voter guy become even more important because it's not just, Oh, well, you know, I'm a conservative. It's like, no, but what's your track record? And what do you, what do you say about the issues that are of eternal importance to us? Mm-hmm. Right. Not just those issues right now that people are talking about, but what do you say on those issues? I think increasingly what you're going to see is that you're going to have people who say they're conservative, but that definition is changing. And I don't think you're going to much longer be able to link that to any type of deep significance <laughs> as far as a follower of Jesus Christ. Yeah. I think it's going to be, um, and guys, and this is sad because I, I know it seems, it seems like we're losing a lot in this country, losing a lot of what we once could depend on and understand definitions is why we said sometimes labels are not going to mean the same thing that we Mm. expect labels to mean. Mm -hmm. But I think increasingly what you're going to have is you're going to have people say things like God and country, but it's not going to mean the same thing that it means to you. Mm. And so you've got to be, you've got to be keen to recognize that and understand what you are saying when you say certain things, what that definition means. And, and, it's going to be sort of like a let's define terms be, terms before we start talking. So anyway, that's my two cents on that. But I, I don't want to spend too much time there because I want to get into among the believers uh, something that is pointed out in this so, Gallup poll that I think is really interesting. Go ahead. Uh, just a quick question. When they say believers, are they talking about do you get Those the who sense? say they believe in God. So that is a profession of faith that, that they believe in. Well, those that say they believe in God, but not necessarily born again Christians. Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. But it's the interesting thing to me about this is that, well, and I'll, I'll, I'll I will, I want to raise this question because I'm trying to figure out like when a person says that he or she believes in God, I guess, based on this polling data, I'm trying to figure out what that now means to that person. So let me, let me explain, let me give some of the information and then, um, my conflict or what I'm what I'm kind of perplexed about here may come into greater focus. Okay, so back to the article. Mm-hmm. Um, Gallup also asked whether God hears prayers and whether God intervenes when people pray. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Gallup wanted to know among those who believe that God exists, does God hear prayers and does God intervene when people pray? Okay. So about half of those who believe in God mm-hmm. say God hears prayers mm-hmm. and can intervene on a person's behalf. Mm-hmm. Now, let's pause for a second, because mm-hmm. when we read, we want to make sure that we process and that we're reading what's actually been said. Right. So we're talking about those who say, yes, I believe in God. Mm-hmm. Half of the people who say, yes, I believe in God, believe that he hears prayers and can intervene on a person's behalf. 
So my question is, the other half of those who believe in God, what, like, what, what is that? How, how are you served by that belief? You, you understand what I'm yeah. saying? Like in this detached entity that doesn't hear you and right. cannot intervene on your behalf. Like what? what yeah. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I guess I wonder, like, so do you just feel uncomfortable saying you're not a believer? Like, I mean, so I see, what do you believe? I see another problem in that. Okay. So you have the people who say they believe in God, but it seems like maybe they don't believe that God hears prayers and intervene. But then you have the ones who say they believe in God, but they may not be born again Christians. Mm-hmm. And so are their prayers even being so. <laughs> so they don't have a so they don't have a biblical belief right. in God to begin with. Well, and let me give let me give a further breakdown here, because this this polling data actually kind of breaks down among those who have some belief about God and mm-hmm. some belief about prayer. And I think this is really interesting. So mm-hmm. among again, and I think it, it needs to be you know understood that this is among those who believe in God. So 28% of those who believe in God say that he hears prayers, but he cannot intervene. Mm. Now just, okay. So I, you know, I just pause for a second. Just, okay. So God hears prayers, but he cannot intervene. Now the thing that you can't get from polling data, the thing you can't get from percentages is sort of like a drill down talk me through that. Right. What limits him? What why is he unable to act? Let me and let me continue before you chime in because I want to get your take on this. 11%, 11% among the same group of people who believe that there is a God or believe in God, 11% think that he cannot hear and cannot intervene. Mhm. So I'm like, I, I just, I guess what I, what I'm, mm. I'm trying to define, and, and this is a question where I guess as a pollster, as someone who surveys people, this is why I would be really bad at my job because you're really just trying to get numbers. But I kind of want, I'm, I'm a little more like, you know hey, help me understand right. that. I'm not content just to get the hard numbers. I kind of am trying to figure out, so what is it that you have designed in your mind? Do you know what I mean? For the mm-hmm. people who say they believe in God. What type of God have you designed? What have you exactly what have you made? That's exact exactly it. So they believe in God. So that could be in it. They, they they believe in the higher power. They believe, you know, so you're talking about if people are saying that I believe in God, but I don't I don't believe that he uh he can I believe he can hear prayers but can uh, won't answer them or can't han- answer them. Well, you're talking about a person that uh, does not have a biblical worldview. Correct. And that's what I wanted to discuss today, Mm -hmm. because I I think now, you know, and I think based on what we see in our churches, there may be some professing Christians who wouldn't describe themselves this way, but they behave this way. They Mm. function this way. So this is why you would have prayer meetings at churches that are some of the lowest attended meetings like you. So, so here's where I'm driving. What I'm saying is, you know, sometimes we're very comfortable to say, okay, let's work our way bottom rung and then work our way up. Mm -hmm. Okay. I believe in God. All right. So people would consider that a great starting point. So now what we want to do is we want to make sure that people hear the gospel. Okay. So can we tell you how to be reconciled to this God who, by the way, 
of course you believe in God because the Bible says very clearly that yeah. man is without excuse. If you say you don't, you're pretty much lying. You're lying. Like <laughs> the, the, the Bible is very clear that yeah. there really is not an atheist, right? <laughs> there really is not. Okay. Um, so, so we think of that as a great starting point. But my concern is based on the way the church seems to um, shake out as far as meetings are attended. Mm-hmm. Um, the prayer meetings are not on and popping as mm. if as if we believe because like think about it. We hear these kinds of numbers and many people would probably share my kind of like, mm-hmm. I, like, whoa, I, we, we don't understand that. Like why you believe in God, but you don't believe that he can intervene. You, you believe that he hears prayers, but he can't intervene. I, guys, this boggles my mind. Like there is nowhere you're going to read in scripture that would describe this God that 28% of those who say they believe in him are describing. He hears prayers, but cannot, not will not, cannot, cannot yeah, intervene. Yeah. And then the other 11% says he does neither. He doesn't hear yeah. and he doesn't intervene. But the point that I want to make ultimately mm-hmm. is that for us as professing Christians, mm-hmm. the question is not that we would respond that way to a poll because mm-hmm. we probably have the right answers. Right. The but question that, that I way? do we exactly. live that way? Yeah, that's my question. Do we live that way? And I think it's when I think about this, I think about even in politics, you can have these uh, party platforms. But if you're not like actively living out and yes. abiding by these platforms. <laughs> you point. just have yeah. a platform, yes. you know, just to say, I, this is what mm-hmm. we believe, but you, you're saying this is what we believe, but you're not actually, you're doing not adhering that. to that. You're not adhe- living according exactly. to that. Exactly. It's, it's like, well, you don't really believe that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the assessment we would have to make in this situation that, you know, we don't really believe that if we have Christians that act that way, that we don't mm-hmm. believe that God can, answer prayer we might not say it like you said mm-hmm. but that's the way we live so what causes what causes that unbelief among mm. believers and and that's that's one of the things so i was i was looking at the scriptures and i was just praying through this and i was thinking wow you know we really don't have any type of biblical support that we ought to give up praying mm-hmm. right like we don't and in fact all of the scriptures that you would be able to point to would tell us to pray without ceasing, that mm-hmm. we are to continue mm-hmm. in prayer. You look at the early church and and how, what characterizes the early church from the moment of Pentecost when they are gathering as believers and the numbers are increasing. Prayer is a fixture of the early church mm-hmm. as the persecution is ramping up. I'm thinking of the apostle Peter who's in prison. He's got two chains. He's between guards. And, and what is happening? The Bible says this is Acts chapter 12. The Bible says that prayers were being fervently made for Peter. Mm. So, so (laughs) I'm like, we just don't have a history. We don't have a history in the church that allows for a type of tepid approach to prayer where we could justify it and say, well, you know, God doesn't hear it. There's a big man up in the sky. I don't bother him. He doesn't bother me. That is not Christianity. The relationship that Jesus Christ has secured for us is one that we may now come to the throne of grace and find grace in our time of need, that we can come before the Lord in prayer. Mm -hmm. This is what Jesus has secured for us. In fact, he is interceding. He himself is interceding for us. Mm. And I think we see this reflected. Well, the great, I think we see this reflected in a collective sentiment when people are saying, when they're talking about questions of like, what is being called gun control and all these things where they say keep your your thoughts in your yeah. prayers 
I think it shows a collective unbelief and a departure or a rejection of the knowledge of God. We'll grab the break and we'll be right back. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in hell, bless obey this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, to long that Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Anthony Evans with In Christ Alone. Lord, help our unbelief. I mean, just think about among among believers. It's so it in America, there's a big picture. Let me give the number 888-589-8840. What's your take on this? What we're talking about today, this new Gallup polling. Not only that we have had an increase in uh non-believers. Uh, those who don't believe in God in this country, but also among those who say they believe in God, they um, only 50 percent of them believe that he hears prayers and answers them. And then you've got another. What is it? Twenty eight percent. I should have the data here in front of me. I just had it just a second ago. Let me pull it back up. Get the exact number. Twenty eight percent say that God hears prayers, but he can't intervene. <laughs> he hears prayers, but he can't intervene. Wow. So what, what's the, why are you talking to him? Like, what's the sense in, like, you know what I mean? Like, what, what is the, what is the, I, I don't, I guess it's such an attack on who God is, right? It just, it, it boggles my mind. It almost upsets me a little bit, you know, um, because of who God is, right? Like to, that you would, that you would ascribe to God anything like he, he can't, he, he can't intervene. Right. He hears, but he, he simply, he can't, you know? <laughs> Um, and then you've got another 11% um, among, this is among those who believe in God. All right. And I understand that there's all sort of like variations of what it is when the person says that they believe in God. I understand that. But what I, the, the bigger problem in my mind is that we have churches that if you call for a prayer meeting, the church will reflect one of these percentages. <laughs> and, you know, I really think that's because we don't, we, we may say we believe that prayer is one thing, but we don't really believe it because when it's time to pray, we don't do it. So if we really believe that it is what we say, you know, it is what we say it is, is mm-hmm. we would we, we would really probably have to be pulled from praying, you know. Yes. It yes. Have to pull us away yes. from praying. But that's not the. the case. Well, and I think that is the expectation that I think that is the expectation because if the believer is instructed to pray without ceasing, mm-hmm. then, then you, you would, you would, you, you should be constantly caught in prayer. Right. Right. Like we should, we should, and it's not, and I think I'm going to tell you, I think a lot of times the way we, we think of prayer um, is it has a lot to do with how we've grown up. We don't go to the scriptures. Mm. Right. So a lot of the ways that we think about prayer and intercession um is, is based on what we saw growing up. So yeah. we think it has to look this way or we think right. it has to sound this way. And if it can't look that way or sound that way, and those are the people that we respected, then I can't do it. I'm not qualified to, to, to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's warfare directly, uh, you know, linked to, to prayer. So for the, sure, the enemy will do whatever that you will not pray. So there's also that, you know, <laughs> absolutely. I was going to use some examples, but I don't I sometimes publicly shared examples do <laughs> not translate well. So I'll save that for when we, you know, are in closer proximity uh, as we travel <laughs> across the country. You guys. So just when, when we're there, just say, hey, tell me that example about praying just because people will understand it better. But yeah, I, I, I want to echo what you're saying about constant interruptions to prayer. 
that it, it doesn't matter. You could set out to do all kinds of things and, and you can do those things uninterrupted. You begin to pray and, and there is going to be an interruption, right? Yeah. And, and, and most people will miss that and not see that as something spiritual. It'll just be a coincidence, you know? Mm. Um, all right. So I, as we continue looking at the, what, I, what I see as an unbelief that is present, you raised a question. And I mean, I, I don't know. I guess maybe we can explore just a little bit of this um, just before we go to the phone lines. But you raised a question about God hearing prayers. Like, so these people who say they believe in God. So what, I didn't know if you wanted to continue to kind of bear out that, that point or did you, were well, you just making my, observations? Yeah, my, my point was that, so you have a group of people, um, <laughs> you know, say they believe in God and, and they, they believe in prayer. But at the same time, if they're not born again, believers, that if they're not true believers in God and then they're praying all those prayers, even like, who are they really praying to because they don't have mm-hmm. the the proper view of God you know you know does God hear those prayers like I think you about know, in John chapter 9 when you know uh the statement was made that God doesn't hear uh yes that is true but I think I would say in in context there was a challenge to the mm-hmm. work that Jesus was doing um in healing a man born blind right born blind and I think that the assessment was that there is no way that he could be doing this of the devil that you know in order for this man to have been healed for the Lord to to hear Jesus's request Mm -hmm. I I think if I'm remembering the context correctly um but I would I would say this and and look and and I'm I'm open to hearing people's um as you call in 888-589-8840 as we look through the scriptures and I think that's exactly the thing that we need to do. We need to search the scriptures. I think the thing that you look at um, is the mercy of God in those who don't have an accurate picture of him. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm not comfortable based on what I see in scripture, old Testament to new Testament. I'm not comfortable saying that a person who doesn't have an accurate picture of God, God doesn't hear. And I'll tell you why I'll Mm -hmm. tell you why I look at the prophet Jonah Mm-hmm. who was sent to Nineveh, who had beef, like the Ninevites were a violent people, right? Mm-hmm. And and he was like, no, because I know you're merciful. And he he wanted them to be judged. Right. But what happened was when they were warned by Jonah, when Jonah finally got there from the king on down, you know, to the baby in the sling, mm-hmm. they declared a, a fast and they prayed yeah. and, mm-hmm. and the Lord had mercy on them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the Lord sent a prophet to pronounce a judgment and these people stopped. They turned from their violence. The king said, let us all turn from our violence. Mm-hmm. And they prayed. Um, I look at the Ethiopian eunuch who had a knowledge of God. Yeah. You know, he's reading the prophet Isaiah and the Lord sends Philip to him. So so I think there is a, there is a the place. But I would say the people in show forth a repentant heart. Yes, this is true. This so is true. I think yes. that's a different case in, in the sense of showing of a repentant heart. I believe God hears the, that prayer, you know, but if I'm out yes. here just doing like just, you know, sinful, evil, whatever, and I'm I get in trouble and well, I'm that's like a great qualification. And I'm like, God, yes. I pray that you he has no like I'm not in the family. Like he has no obligation to answer that that prayer because I'm in trouble now and I haven't served him. So I think I think there's a 
if I have a no, repentant I think that's heart, a great, I think it's different. That's a great qualification because I, what I, what I don't want to, what I don't want to paint a picture. Cause I don't think we see this in scripture either that you've got people just able to do whatever they want. And then, um, you know, let me shoot up a quick one. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I think that kind <laughs> right. of flipping approach to God, uh, dishonors the name of God and, and who the Lord is. And the Lord's not going to be mocked in that way. You right. know, so I, I definitely, that's not what I'm suggesting. Mm-hmm. What I'm suggesting is that the, the person who, I, I think is genuinely trying to genuinely crying out to the Lord. Yes. Right. Yes. I, I think that there is a, there is a mercy that is communicated by the Lord uh, toward that person. But I think you're Definitely. right in qualifying that because it's not just a, I do whatever I want. And then I pray that the Lord will bless my mess. Right. Right. Which, you know, sort of is, a, a, which <laughs> can't live a by lot those of people bumper stickers. That live that way. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? Yeah. All right, let's go to the phone lines and see what some of our listeners think about what we're talking about today. 888-589-8840. Will the Great, where do we go first? All right, let's go to Joe in Georgia. Hi, Joe. Hey, how you doing? Doing great. Hello. Okay, so the reason I called in is because I don't believe that anyone other than Jesus Christ had more guidance from God than Paul. And Paul said to pray without ceasing. Now, God has answered my prayers. So anybody that says God doesn't answer prayers, they need to talk to me because I stay on my knees most of the time. So I don't understand anyone that says they believe in God or has been saved, and I have been saved, that says they don't answer prayers. What is their problem? They're not praying right, or they're not saved, or they've not accepted the Lord. Mm -hmm. So God does answer prayers. I don't even, there's no even argument about that. Amen. Amen. So sometimes that's not exactly what I wanted, but he lets me know that's Mm. what I needed. You know, I'm so glad you said that. Listen, because I think that's sometimes what we don't understand about the sovereignty of God. Mm -hmm. And I think that may keep some people away from praying because they make requests of God and then they don't get the specific request or the thing that they have requested. Mm-hmm. So they go away determining that God has not answered. They refuse to believe that the answer could have been no. Mm. Or the answer was yes, but it was not in the affirmative for your request, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was not. So I think sometimes what, and, and, and honestly, I think we get in trouble because we are trying to define God's goodness on our scale, mm. right? So that yeah. if for God to be good, it must be according to to my definition. So if I'm asking for this, so then the problem is, so then you make yourself chief and foremost, right? So what you say is, I'm asking for this. And if God doesn't give this to me, then he does not answer prayer because what I am asking for is good. You see that? Rather than coming to the Lord, as, as Jesus instructed us, that we ask the Lord his will. Lord, let your will be done. Lord, what do what is your will? Lord, let your will be done. Now, does that mean that we can't make requests of the Lord? No, the Bible tells us to bring our petitions, our petitions to the Lord. We bring our petitions to the Lord, but we recognize that it is the Lord's prerogative to act as he sees fit. Many people go away, I think, discouraged because they have set themselves as a standard. I'm asking God this. I'm a, I'm a good person. Mm -hmm. I'm saved. I'm the righteousness of God, uh, in Christ Jesus. So I'm, I'm, I should have what I want because what I'm asking is always good. It's always right. And the problem is, you know, when the Lord says no, then we say, oh, he hasn't answered me. Mm. He doesn't answer. Okay. But, but he, but he, but he said no. So that is, that is an answer. And because it is his answer, it is a good answer. In fact, it is the only suitable answer because it's the answer that came from God. 
All right, let's go back to the phone lines. Will the Great, where do we go? Let's go to Jerry in Tennessee. Hi, Jerry. Hey, well, Mickey, how are you hey. guys doing? Hey, brother. Doing good. Hey, so um, I was out of town last week, but I caught one of your shows. Um, I saw the title of it on Facebook, and I said, oh, i got to listen to this. Anyway, uh, before that, um, if we took a, 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 a survey of demons, 100% of demons believe in God. So these people, <laughs> that's good, Jerry. We're, we're, we're not even doing as well as the demons do, so that's not very good. But <laughs> the thing that caught me on, in some of the discussion on this is how imprecise some of the language is. Like the phrase "believe in God," mm-hmm. um, and that, and and to your labels discussion last week about evangelical, yeah, evangelicalism. There's so many terms we use that are very nebulous, and I don't think they allow us to communicate very clearly. Mm. And I've been I've been thinking for a while that it's time for us Christ, Christ followers to stop using some of those confusing labels and start using more precise language and even biblical language. And I'll just throw out a couple of examples: right versus left. That is very nebulous. Liberal versus conservative, um, again, can be very nebulous. And also, as you guys were saying earlier, it shifts over time. Mm-hmm. What used to be conservative isn't conservative anymore, you know, those kind yeah. of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just like I, – I'm trying to start in my own life, starting to use something is either evil or it's holy. It's evil or it's godly. Um, I'm, I'm even uh, nervous sometimes about using the word Christian because – if you ask 10 people what the word Christian means, mm. I think you'd get a lot of different answers. So anyway, mm-hmm. my point, my overall point is just I'd like to see us as, Chris, as Christ followers start using more clear language and not the language that the world uses that I think confuses people. Mm, that's very good. You know, I was thinking um, about a conversation that Willie Great and I have been having here recently. We've been talking about uh, Anselm and his defense of, well, many things. He, he wrote about nine books. This is in the in the Middle Ages. Uh, he wrote about nine books on the defense of so many things, and one mm-hmm. of them was Why the God-Man. And one of the things that he said when trying to describe to believers and even unbelievers about why God had to become man, he said that the <laughs> accusation is often that we are painting on a cloud or we're painting on water. And that came to my mind as you were talking about just now, even some of the labels and the way we describe things, it is a seeming, um, it's, it's painting on a cloud because it keeps moving, right? So once you think you've got the picture, then the cloud moves and, and it disappears. And I think you're absolutely right. You're onto something that we've got to solidify terms. One of the things Will the Gray has been saying for years, and I kind of come back to this, is that he says we've got to use Bible terms. As much as we can, we should be using Bible terms, using Bible terms to describe the things that we see happening around us, to describe ourselves, to describe our allegiance to God. Why are we doing the things we do? We should be using the Bible um, in every possible way. I think Mm -hmm. that is then painting on canvas, painting on on something that is solid. So anyway, let's try to squeeze in one more call, Will the Great. Where do we go? All right, let's go to Linda in Texas. Hi, Linda. Oh, well, Amiki, thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to tell you my greatest desire every day when I wake up, if I have breath left in me, I want others to know that Jesus Christ wants a close and personal, intimate walk with them, a relationship with them. And where I volunteer, I get to pray with people, and I get to tell them that Jesus Christ wants a personal invitation into your heart. Like you want a personal invitation to a wedding or a party. You don't just want to hear about it. And that he Mm. wants to walk as closely with you as he did the disciples. And I ask God for that. 
And I've I've not always known Jesus Christ in a personal, intimate relationship, but I, there was a day when I knelt on my knees and said, God, what is prayer to you? And in a voice that I wouldn't have said to myself, I heard, so I could work in your life. And when I open the Bible, I open it and I say, God, show me who you are that I don't disappoint you today and mm. make my heart long to serve you more and set my heart on fire for you. Linda, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. I, I apologize. I got to jump in because we've come to the end of the show until tomorrow. Lord willing. God bless.